This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal on on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has a trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing, so I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list, and from there, they contact your members, and it's no high-pressure sales or anything, and it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Deborah Orner. Deborah is the vice president of the Cambria Regional Chamber of Commerce in Pennsylvania. She began her career with the Cambria Regional Chamber in 1998. She's responsible for the Chamber's external operations, including events and programs. And among these is her professional pride and joy, the John B. Gunter Community Leadership Initiative. Prior to coming to the Chamber, Deborah worked in public relations at St. Francis University and on the staff of the late Congressman John P. Murtha. Deborah is past chair of the Pennsylvania Chamber of Commerce Professionals and has served on its board of directors since 2012. She was the first non-CEO to be elected to this position. She has served as chair of the PACP Professionals and Leadership Conference since 2013 and is also a member of the Communications Committee. Deborah is also an IOM graduate. Locally, Deborah is the vice president of the Johnstown United Neighborhoods, which began as a community project of the leadership program. She also serves on the board of directors of several other local organizations. But Deborah, we're excited to have you with us today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. Love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Sure. Thank you, Brandon. Um, as mentioned in my bio, this is my 25th year in chamber work. Um, never thought I'd have a job that long, but once I started, it was just it was just kismet, and I I love doing it. I can't imagine doing anything else. And my chamber friends actually like to joke that I knew what I wanted to do when I was eight years old because that in the summer of 1977, our city suffered um, the third devastating flood in our history. And one of the things that came out of that was an advertising campaign that was put together by some local businessmen. 
And some of it was funny, like they would, they would put up billboards that say we're wet, but not washed out. But the one that stuck with me was one that says we will rebuild together. And I, I'm not saying that I knew that chamber of commerce was a job you could have when I was eight years old, but I knew I was, I wanted to do what those men did. So it just made a huge impression on me. And the other thing that came out of that was our congressman at the time had only been in office probably about two or three years. And where I lived during the flood was across the street from an elementary school that had a very large playground. And that's where national guard helicopters would land and that sort of thing. And I was able to witness our congressman landing at our at that playground and getting out and kind of directing things and, and starting the process and helping to shovel mud and that sort of thing. And that was Congressman John Murtha. So at eight years old, I was looking at this man like he was some sort of John Wayne and he was just one of my first heroes. And then I ended up working for him. So it was kind of that was a, a pivotal event in my life that kind of had an effect on my later years that I never could have predicted at the time. But um, so that's why they like to joke that I knew what I wanted to do when I was eight. Wow. So I hear a lot of stories about how people get into chamber work, but that is a unique one. So I appreciate you sharing that. And it, it, not everybody has that kind of experience when they're a, a young child and being able to, to have those impressions stick with them into adulthood. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, well, tell us a little bit about the, the Cambria Regional Chamber, just to kind of set the table for our discussion. Give us an idea of the size of the chamber, scope of work, staff, budget, um, that sort of thing, just to prepare us for our conversation. We're located in Johnstown, which is in Cambria County in Pennsylvania, and that's about, um, as the crow flies, 60 miles east of Pittsburgh. Um, we have about 650 members at the moment, and our budget's around $650,000, and we have four full-time staff people, and we do a lot with those four people. Uh, we have probably 10 major events per year and a lot of um, programming in between. Uh, like most chambers, we have a governmental action program. We have a women's issues program. And of course, uh, the thing that's my favorite is our leadership program. But we also have branched out into kind of becoming a, a, a digital media company. We have a pretty strong social media program. We are we, we do a lot with promoting our members via social media. We do a lot with video. So that's something that we've been getting into the last four years when our new president, Amy Bradley, came on with her background in news broadcasting. So that's something that's been kind of new for us, but we've been, we've been doing pretty well with that in addition to the other traditional things that a Chamber of Commerce does. Yeah, that could be a whole conversation within itself right there around your, the digital media and Absolutely. the approach you guys are taking there. As we, uh, and thank you for sharing the, the background there on the, the chamber and what you guys are involved with and the staff. And as we move forward with our discussion today, we'll be focusing on with what we've alluded to a couple of times already through your bio and what you shared with your, your pride and joy of being the leadership program you guys have there at the Canberra Regional Chamber. But we will dive deeper into a discussion about that and, and how you guys approach your leadership program as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar, partner with a local fair, 
festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Are you looking for a way to grow and manage your Chamber of Commerce more effectively? Look no further than Chamber Nation. Their innovative software provides everything you need to streamline operations, engage members, and increase revenue. With features like event management, membership directories, advanced membership tools, mobile apps, community kiosks, and financial reporting, Chamber Nation makes it easy to run your chamber like a well-oiled machine. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your chamber to the next level. Visit richardscalendar.com to learn more about Chamber Nation today. Hey, this is Donna. Gifty community cards are free for you, free for your members, and they bring lots of new sales and foot traffic into your local shops and restaurants. But don't take it from me. Here's Siobhan from Truckee, California to tell you about her program. Visit Truckee Tahoe's Sustainable Truckee gift card has been a great success since launching in November 2021. The card is redeemable at 58 Truckee businesses, making it a great gift for any occasion. Recipients can spend flexibly at a wide variety of local businesses from yoga studios to hotels. And because the cards are digital and accessed on your phone, they're super easy to purchase and redeem. We love that Sustainable Truckee gift cards encourage folks to shop local, supporting Truckee's local economy and community. Thanks, Siobhan. If you'd like to join Truckee in supporting the shop local movement, check us out at yifty.com or send an email to sales at yifty.com. All right, Deborah, we're back. Um, so I'm curious to learn about the, the leadership program. It, it's not often that you hear a chamber professional say that a leadership program is their pride and joy. So I can tell this means a lot to you. It's close to your heart. Um, and I'm sure it's because there's been some big impact that's come out of it. So share with us the approach you guys take and, and why it means so much to you. Well, I always joke with with my boss and my board of directors that um, I do leadership for free and they have to, it's everything else they have to pay me for because I love the program that much. Um, I actually took the program over within two weeks of starting my job back in 1998. And back then the program was only in its current format about four years old. They had done a program in the early eighties um, back when corporate dollars uh for training were more easily had, they would bring in people like Lee Iacocca and Stephen Covey. And it was more of, an, of a really higher level executive training. And it wasn't a cohort group the way it is now. Back in about 1994 is when it when they started to form it into a cohort group where a group of about 18 to 24 people would go through a series of lectures um, throughout a nine month period. So then when I took over in 1998, they also said, well, 
a good way for you to learn how to run this program would be to go through it yourself. So my first year with the program, I was actually participating in the program, plus I was learning how to run it. And that was really unique. And I don't recommend it to anybody because it was it was very confusing for everyone, um, for my classmates who didn't understand that I was part of the class. Plus, I was I was running the program and for me trying to be part of the class, yet organizing everything. So that wasn't probably the best way to go about it. But the following year, we instituted um, an overnight team building session, and that's really where things took off because that really cemented the, the bonds the class would have with each other. And we had two amazing facilitators that I was lucky to have for almost my entire career here that really took the program to another level. And our program is a little different from other programs in that we meet twice a month and we are skills-based rather than um, the, the programs that typically have like a healthcare day or a law day where they go on um, basically like field trips to hospitals and, and court systems and that sort of thing. So our program is based around um, skills like project management and we'll do a session on soft skills and we do emotional intelligence and um, we do disc training, which a lot of of other programs do as well, but we pair it with other sessions that basically benefit the person through professional development. So we'll do honorable leadership and, um, and things like that. So we're, we're a little bit different from other programs. And we also do, um, the people that are in the program are required to work on a community project while they're in the program. So we'll, we divide them up into groups of four to six people. They can choose to work on whatever they want to work on. We use a multi-voting uh, process for them to, to figure out what they want to work on. We give them some project management training at the beginning of the year. And from there, they run with it. And we've had some amazing projects over the years that have just touched tens of thousands of lives with the impact that they've had. And the the people that are in the program, sometimes the project means so much to them. Um, we do a session at the end of the year where they have to do, um, they have to present their project to our board of directors and they'll do a session where they present to their classmates and their sponsors. And, and we've had grown men in the, in, in the front of the class crying because the project meant so much to them. So it's, it's not just something we do to keep them busy. It's something that, that really means a lot to them and it ends up being something very meaningful to the community. Um, this year, for instance, we have one group that's working on building a pavilion at one of the trailheads here in town for one of our, one of our um, hiking and biking trails. And we have another project that's raising money for a, a project called the Needy Children Shopping Tour, which takes um, disadvantaged children and take, they, they get to go shopping at Christmas time and they get to buy new things. And it's just, it's a really cool experience for everybody involved. And then we have another group that is raising money for an organization called um, Wings for Our Warriors, which is an organization that serves disabled veterans with all-terrain wheelchairs so they can still get out into the woods and do the activities that they enjoy before they were injured. And so um, that's another project that's, that's happening this year. And then we have a final project that is going to um, bring together some resources for first responders who we kind of tend to forget about them a little bit that they need some help too sometimes. So those are the just the four, uh, four examples of projects that our program does. And they will work on those throughout the nine months. And they don't have to be finished with those by the end of the program. Usually they are. 
And sometimes the projects are a one and done. And sometimes the people continue to work on them past when they graduate from the program, which I think really says a lot for how much the project that they choose means to them. Um, so that's what I kind of think sets our program apart a little bit with some of the things that we do. Yeah, no, you uh, you covered a lot of things there as you as you talked about how the program's laid out. But um, so if I understand right, it's a nine month program. You meet twice a month, so eighteen times total throughout the that period. Yes, we meet we meet twice a month for half a day. Okay, and tell us a little bit more about this overnight team building um, opportunity. Is that a uh, do you guys go somewhere off-site? Is it somewhere? It's just how do you how do you come about that? We did, and actually, the pandemic turned it from an overnight into just a two-day session. Um, but it's still it's still the same basic setup. It's just uh, we don't stay overnight anymore um, after after the pandemic happened. But we spend the first day basically with just team building activities and with them getting to know each other and kind of breaking down barriers and really getting to know each other a lot more and what they, what they have in common, what they might want to work on for the next nine months. So it helps them to form their project teams. And then the second day is really when we spend putting the project teams together. So they'll spend like the entire second day just discussing things like what, does our area not have that if it did would make it a better place to live? Or, you know, what would you work on if you knew you couldn't fail? Those sort of things. So we we lead them through discussion like that. And then they they break down into areas of interest. And then from there, it's all up to them, like what project they pick. So they might know that when they walk out on the second day, they might know for sure what they want to do. Some people come to the program with an idea that they want to do, and they just recruit people to help them. So, and some people show up and they have absolutely no idea what they want to do. And they're, they're looking to be sold on something. So we have kind of all different methods happening there, but those two days are just so important because it really helps them bond as, as a group. And a lot of times, even sometimes we'll have people from the same company that participate in the program in the same year and people from the same company won't know each other before they get to our program. So really for the most part, these are 20 strangers who don't know anything about each other. So we really take the time on those two days to help them get to know each other. And really they walk out of those two days and they're, and they're friends. Very good. So that was my next question. So this is happening at the beginning of the, yes. the leadership program to build those bonds, kind of build your teams select your yeah, project, set a tone for the whole nine months. Yeah, we do that at the beginning. And then at the end of the year, we go back to the same um, site and we do what we call a year end reflection. And that's really their opportunity to kind of get their emotions out about what they've been through that year and like the things that made an impact on them and just kind of talk it out and just really have a, have a nice day, a little, like a little capstone session with, with their classmates that they've become so close to. Uh, throughout the course of the program. Nice. So you had mentioned that you've been blessed to, with a great facilitator. As you go about trying to figure out who facilitates a leadership program like this, what sort of traits are you looking for? What what would make for a good facilitator for other chambers that are listening and, and considering building a similar program? Really, they just they it helps tremendously if they have a passion for the area because that's really what most leadership programs are trying to do is, is create something good for their community. And it also helps if, if they like helping people develop, because that's a huge part of what we do. So you really just have to have 
like a passion for developing people and you have to really care about the community and the area and you have to want to, to uh, see it get better. And we as chambers of commerce don't often have large budgets and sometimes um, our facilitators, most of our facilitators actually are volunteers with the exception of one person, everybody in my program is a volunteer. So we really have to find people and cultivate relationships with people who just genuinely just care. And that's really, that's really as simple as it is. Obviously they need to have some proficiency in the thing you're asking them to um, present on, but really they, they just have to care and they, they have to want to do it and they have to have that volunteer capacity capacity themselves. So I think that's, those are great things to, to consider. And I like the, the passion for the community and it, it made me wonder through this leadership program, um, it, it sounds like a lot of the skills, like the skills-based training, those sort of things that you're going through are, um, I guess you can, you can take it you know, from one position to another, from one community to another, you're developing leadership skills that are transferable. Um, are there other aspects besides the project maybe that are community-based that are unique to your community? And maybe not, but I'm just, I'm curious. Well, one thing that, that I'm pretty proud of that we do with our program is we give them the opportunity to meet a lot of community leaders because that's who most of my facilitators are. Um, they're people who are business owners or leaders in some other way. And we also do a session on local government where they get to meet all of our county commissioners and our city manager and our the community, community and economic development director for the city um, will have the director of emergency services for the county come. So they, they get to meet people like that. And these are, again, community leaders who are, are giving back through this program by, it, and that's one of the sessions where I, I kind of call it the it's your opportunity to ask the why doesn't someone or why don't they questions, because a lot of times people just don't understand why things are the way they are. And this is really just an opportunity for them to sit down and meet with oftentimes people who are elected leaders. And it just gives them a chance to form a relationship and just to meet them and, and to, to see what their role can be in, in moving our region forward. Yeah. I love that. I, I like building those strong community ties. Um, so the, uh, the year-end reflection that uh, I can imagine that being kind of a, a high point really to this whole program, to be able to see the development, to be able to look back at, especially going back to the same location that it all started, right? Being able to reflect back on that, those beginnings, the relationships built, the impact of their projects. Um, you had mentioned grown men, you know, crying at the end because of their, their program. What, what are some of those more impactful um reflections that have kind of hit you over the years as you've seen these people reflect on their their time in the program? Well, I always say that the people in the program are going to learn more from each other than they will from almost any any of us or any of the facilitators because you you get to meet the people who are doing the work in the community. And there's just a lot of eye-opening moments that you wouldn't know about if you didn't get to meet these people. And for me, just seeing the relationships that form from people who didn't, who wouldn't know each other except for this program and who accomplish amazing things because they have met in this program. Uh, to me, that is just the most gratifying thing. And I think um, 
that's what they get out of it as well, is that people that they didn't know prior to being in the program and they've accomplished these great things with. And a lot of times with the, with the, with the educational part, sometimes people even tell me that it doesn't apply to them right now, but years later, they went back to that training and they used it. So it is something that stays with you forever. And that's really why ours is more of a, of a professional development kind of a program, because no matter who you work for or where you go in your life, whatever community you're a part of, this is yours forever. So it's not just that it's specific to our city or our county. Um, we, we believe that you improve a region by developing its people and by developing its leaders. And so that's what we really try to do every single year in our program. All right. I love that. So the the question came to my mind as this is kind of your your baby, your kind of pet project, right? The the leadership yes. program. Um, how do you, I guess, put your dividing line between what you do as an organizer and and putting together this program versus the facilitator and their responsibilities and to where you're not stepping on each other's toes and identifying what your your you know respective roles are how does that structure look with your organization uh really i i am just so fortunate with the people that are part of my program honestly we all just work so well together and they know that i would do it for free so that that helps too that they know like how much i love it and how much i how much of myself i put into it but I, I basically recruit all of our, our all of our facilitators, which can be 18 per year, depending on, on how many sessions we do. And honestly, I just let them run with it because they're the experts in their field. So during the session, I don't interfere with that. That's up to them, what they want to put in their curriculum. Sometimes I help facilitate that session in class, depending on, on, on where the conversation's going. I'll try to help lead the conversation a little bit. But for the most part, our, our facilitators are just such professionals and they just care so much. There's really no need for me to, to get involved in that part of it. And they let me handle all of the admin and, and that sort of thing and all of the communication. And it just, it works really well together. And it's just, it's, it's nothing but 25 years of cultivated relationships that um, people know what we're trying to do with this program and they have just gone all in on it. And you know, they have other things to do. They have other things they could be doing other than spending half a day with me, but they just, that's just what great people they are. And so they take time away from their own businesses and at their own expense to, to come and share their expertise with our class every year. And I have facilitators that have been with me um, for really the entire 25 years. And I just think that's a remarkable thing. That's fantastic. So as you go about recruiting facilitators, and I'm asking this for somebody who's looking to build a leadership program at their organization. Where are you looking in in the community to everywhere from? Yeah. <laughs> everywhere. And and one of my favorite things to do is if there's a graduate of the program that can teach something, I love to bring them back. Yeah. And sometimes I have a list of people that I want to bring into the program because I respect them as a person and I want people to meet them and to learn from them. And sometimes I have a topic that I just really want somebody to teach, but I haven't met that person yet. Um, and really one of my favorite stories, I have uh, one of my one of the, my first friends that I ever made when I worked at, at, at the chamber, he, he's just a really good presenter. And, you know, I've called on him in the past to present things. And the one year um, 
I just had a really, things don't always go smoothly. And I, I lost like three facilitators for, you know, due to various reasons, health and, and that sort of thing. And so I needed him to present um, a topic on, on, or to present a session on public speaking for me, which was okay. And public speaking is kind of, that's not really something that's that unique. And you can get a lot of people, different people to do that. But the following year was the um, only the second year that we were going to present emotional intelligence. And back then that wasn't something that was very common and it wasn't something that a lot of people you know, were doing at the time. So I lost my facilitator for that session, probably 10 days before the session. Oh. And I just sat there and I think I'm going to have to cancel the session because who am I going to get to present emotional intelligence? I was like, there's like two people in the world that even know what it is at this point. Tested your own emotional intelligence, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so this, this friend called me almost like 10 minutes later and he said, Deborah, I was looking online at your, at your syllabus for your leadership program. And I saw that you have emotional intelligence and who teaches that for you? And I said, Oh my God, why are you asking? <laughs> and he, he had just gotten certified in that, like, I think two weeks prior. And I said, Oh, do I have an opportunity for you? So that was just somebody that I knew that it, again, it was just an existing relationship that I had that, that I could um, peg into that slot. And another time I had, I had really wanted to include servant leadership in the program for some time, but just to, had not met somebody who could teach it. And so, as you mentioned, I worked at St. Francis University um, prior to coming to the chamber and I still had some friends that, that worked there. And so I was talking to one of them the one day and I don't know how the topic of servant leadership came up, but it did. And I had said how much I wanted to make that part of our program, but I just, I hadn't found anybody to teach it yet. And she said, well, you know who could teach that for you? And I said, who? And she mentioned one of my alums. And I said, oh, my God. I said, is he there? Put him on the phone. <laughs> and he wasn't there at the time, but he did call me back. So he's been teaching that session for me ever since. So it's really just um, keeping your eyes open and seeing who's around you and paying attention to what they do. If you're friends with them on Facebook or if you're connected with them on LinkedIn, what do they post about? What do they seem to know about? What do they seem to be an expert in? Um, or even just what are their interests? Because a lot of times people's job isn't necessarily their passion either. They can, they can teach about something that's not necessarily what they do for a living. Um, so I've had that, um, that happen as well. So it's really, it's just a matter of, of using your own connections and just, just letting people know what you're looking for, what you want to do, what your goals are, and people will help you get there. That's great advice. Um, Deborah, as we start wrapping up here, you've, you've touched on some fantastic points as far as creating and, and building and nurturing a, a leadership program at your chamber. Um, what tip or action item might you have for a listener who is interested in taking their chamber up to the next level? The best advice that I could give anyone is if you have a state association, and you probably do, join it immediately and get involved if you're not already because nothing in my career has been more valuable to me than the Pennsylvania Association for Chamber Professionals. I learn more about this kind of work, just sitting around with my colleagues over lunch and dinner and possibly one or two late nights um, than I ever did in any classroom. Um, chamber professionals tend to be just the most generous giving people and they want you to succeed and they will share with you and they will help you and they will cheer you on the whole time. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's the only reason this podcast is a success is because the chamber professionals are so willing to share and, 
and share some of those best practices and tips and programs and, and things like you're doing today. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Uh, as we look to the future of Chambers of Commerce, how do you see the future of Chambers and their purpose going forward? Well, I think one thing that the, the past few years has shown us is that, um, and especially extremely evident, evident during the pandemic, is despite their traditional nature, Chambers of Commerce adapt extremely well to serve our members. Um, we have extensive, extensive reach in our communities, and we tend to be extremely good listeners. And some of the hardest days we worked was when everything was shut down because we were putting in so many hours trying to take care of our members. So we tend to be very good at adapting. And I think we will continue to do that um, to adapt to our members' evolving needs. And the other thing that has been extremely evident the past few years is the importance of human connection. Um, and that is something that chambers have always done exceptionally well. So I think as long as there are humans in business, chambers of commerce will continue to be the conveners. And how we do that might change with the times. Um, sometimes it might be virtual instead of in person, but I think that's, we're going to continue to be the connectors. Absolutely. Great points. And, and I would have to agree with the future of chambers. So thank you for that. Uh, Deborah, I'd like to give you an opportunity, Eric, really for the listeners who may want to reach out and connect with you, learn more about the leadership program that you put on. What would be the best way for them to reach out and connect and learn more? Sure. Um, they can email me at Deborah at crchamber.com. And you can reach me directly through our website, um, which is crchamber.com, or they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I love to talk to anybody about leadership. So um, if anybody out there is has a program that they want to maybe um, adapt, or if you're looking to start a program, I would I would love to help. I've helped several um, of my colleagues start programs that, it, that are going extremely well right now. So very good. We will uh, we'll get your contact information in our show notes for this episode so people can can look you up and, and we'll have your LinkedIn um, profile linked in there as well. But um, I really appreciate you sharing these, these insights and lessons learned and, and your approach to the leadership program there at the, the Canberra Regional Chamber. And uh, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brandon. I really enjoyed it. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.